Hello and welcome to the Pondering Theologian podcast. I am the host, Nathaniel. In this episode, we are going to look at people that I label as the but-nots. B-U-T-N-O-T apostrophe S. The but-nots. And we're going to... uh, go through several different books in the Bible in this episode. We're going to go through Exodus and look at an example of the Israelites. Uh, We're going to look at Jonah for a few moments, and then we're going to look back to a a parable of Jesus. And uh, it'll all make sense in the end, I I hope. But uh, let's get started. So we're going to start in Exodus, Exodus, chapter 16, verses 2 through 15. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hands of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, In the evening you shall know that it is the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumblings against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumblings that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then they said, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was in the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And now over in Jonah, we're going to start with Jonah chapter 3, verses 10 through 4, uh, verse 11. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my own country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, 
For I knew that you are a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and abundant in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat at the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of this plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God allowed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose higher in the sky, it scorched Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did nothing. You did not make it grow, which became into being at night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who did, do not know their right from their left? And also how many animals? And now from Matthew chapter 20, uh, verses 1 through 16, this is the parable of the laborers, laborers in the vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, uh, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about a third hour, he saw others standing idly in the market. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand there idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard called his foreman. Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last workers worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the heat of the burden of the day? But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me to work for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Now, have you ever heard someone start to talk about something, whether that be the, the good that is happening or the joy in their life, or even that something positive happened in the news or Facebook feed, 
and then heard the powerful but come next. The but, B-U-T, the but. This but somehow takes away or negates the whole thing. You know, did you see that Sydney and Mark are getting married? Oh, it's wonderful for them. I'm so happy, really. But they're just so young. Or did you see Congress pass something without 40 hours of debate and it wasn't filibustered? Finally, some progress. I just, uh, but I just wish they would have added that extra funding to give everyone a cat. Uh, that would be my daughter's butt anyway. Uh, there is this human idea that we have to add something uh, as a qualifier to most every situation, it seems. From the mundane to the ultra-serious, from I'm glad it was finally a day without rain, but there was no breeze, to I'm glad they caught that guy who killed all those people, but they didn't give him the death sentence, so you know my tax dollars are paying for that guy to live rent-free the rest of his life. Those are both examples I've heard this year to different buts, both seeming to negate something that has taken place. This qualifier, this word, is not really a new thing. The spirit of that comes with uh, uh, the spirit that comes with that but has been around for a long time, and we can see that in the First Testament readings uh, from Exodus and Jonah. If we look at the Israelites, the children of God, from the Israelites of the ancient world to us here today, we are all notorious complainers. Looking at this passage in Exodus, it starts, The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, which is a great way to start a story. They complained that if only they could have stayed in Egypt where they had their fill of food. Meat was so abundant, we had pots of it and bread. Oh, we actually had bread. We ate our fill of food. It was so abundant. You brought us out here where we're going to starve. You freed us from oppression. You freed us from the oppressors that would kill us and our newborn children if it suited them. You freed us from having no say in what we did, where we went, how we wanted to live and worship. You freed us, but gosh darned it. If we would have stayed, we could have had steak every night. You freed us, saved us, guided us out of oppression, and as we left, they handed us gold and other precious things. But we don't have meat and bread aplenty. Now, this is not a story about uh, not talking to God about our issues. It is clear that crying out to God here for help to feed everyone was something good to do, and it's a great example of that. And we hear that in the likes of Job and Lamentations and other great examples of how to cry out to God and be angry with God even when appropriate and ask for what we truly need. However, uh, if you were to read into the next chapter, this complaining continues in the books that follow. It's not an isolated incident. And if we read more broadly into the Israelite story, the thing here to note is that they did not simply say, God, we are hungry. They skipped right to, we had food in the midst of horrendous conditions. We were oppressed, but we had food. You saved us, but we don't have food. 400 years of oppression ended with the guiding providence of God, but we don't have the barbecue chicken pots and rolls to eat with it. 
But, 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 but. In Jonah, we get something similar. My reading starts out, when God saw what they had did, how they turned from their evil way, God changed his mind about the cal uh, calamity that he said he would bring upon Nineveh, and he didn't do it. And it was very displeasing to Jonah. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishment. Oh God, take my life. God, I swear to goodness, I ran from you because you're a gracious God. I am your prophet. I'm a messenger of yours. It is my calling in life, but you are too forgiving. God, I'm glad I'm your servant. I'm glad to receive your goodness to me, but why did you have to give it to those horrid peoples? You sent me to tell them to repent and turn from their evil ways or you would destroy them, but you weren't supposed to not destroy them because they listened. But, 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 how could you be who you are, God? How could you offer them a chance to change? You know they're wicked people and you wanted them to have the opportunity to change, but I wanted you to, to, to destroy them. Interesting to note that before this story, well into the history of the Israelites, they had also been called wicked. The chosen people had also been given a chance to change by the same forgiving and gracious God, and Jonah knew that, obviously, because he says, God, I know you're a gracious God. And then we get the but. But just kill me for being the gracious God I know you are. But, but, but. All of this uh, still continues into the uh, reading in Matthew. We get this interesting situation. Jesus is sharing another parable. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to this landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. This guy went out four times hiring people to work uh, in this vineyard. There's lots of work to do in a vineyard if you've never been to one. Pruning, weeding, picking, hauling leaf, uh, fruit, processing them to ship to the markets. Lots of hard work. And these folks did most everything by hand. They would have carted these heavy loads around, or if the owner had a donkey in a cart, um, maybe that way. But I'm not sure if you've ever tried to guide a donkey. That in itself, it's a lot of work, especially if it doesn't like you. <laughs> so lots of laborious things happening here. The first of these laborers worked a full day. The second shift, pretty close to a full day, just a few hours different. And it got to be less lengthy of a shift as the day went on. Still hard work, mind you, but it is easier as the day is shorter. So we get to the end of the day uh, for a day's labor you got paid whatever you agreed to or whatever the named rate was for the work you were doing. Um, so they agreed payment at the start of this parable. Uh, in some translations, just say a day's wage. Uh, in the version I read, it says a denarius, which is what the historic record tells us is the daily rate or the fair rate. And either way, this social expectation was the set rate of this denarius. And these workers lined up for the payment, starting with those hired last, 
the manager hands them the day's rate. This denarius from one hour to three hours to nine hours down to a full day's work from the roaster's crow till the end. And those who were hired first came and thought if those hired last got the full day's rate, we must get greater than that. They seemed to forget that they agreed to a day's rate to this denarius, nothing more, nothing less. As they received their rate, the same as all the others, they began to grumble. This could also be translated as they started to complain, mutter about speak in a low voice. And my favorite, um, to express indignant complaint. Whatever you want to say or however you best understand it, from whining to indignant complaining, these folks were not happy and were intentionally making sure that it was seen. The owner came and said to one of them, friend, I have done you no wrong. Did you not agree with me that you would work today for the day's rate, this denarius? Did you not agree to this at the start of the day? Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Am I not allowed to make commitments with who I choose and how I choose? Or perhaps it is my generosity that you are grumbling about. Do you feel that my choice to treat you all the same is too kind? Is that the problem here? Are you angry that I am generous? We worked all day. We agreed to this common rate. We agreed to come of our own free will. This is what we expected when we came to do this work. But, there it is. But you paid us all the same. We worked longer through the heat of the day. We worked a full 12 hours. Yes, we agreed to do that. But you paid them the same wage. But, but, but. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this parable. The last will be first and the first will be last. Well, now that's just chaos. How dare you, Jesus, toss things on its head this way? The kingdom of heaven surely can't be like that. How could I, a lifelong Christian, get the same salvation and eternal life and bask in the glory of God, feeling no pain, no sickness, none of the anguish of this life, as someone who just got saved. I've, I've been going to church my whole life. They just started. We aren't equals. Yes, Jesus died for everyone's sin. Yes, you know, once accept Je we accept Jesus, we all become new in the saving grace of God's mercy. Yes, I know growing membership one person at a time is growing the kingdom of God, but, 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 darned it all, if we did... I did not want it to be this way, but not them, but not that partnership, but not that group, but not through that program, but not, but, but, but. The children of God sure have a lot of buts. I was working on a mission trip several years ago. Um, we were working in a community along the Appalachian. And if you don't know, many parts along the Appalachia are well below the poverty line. And the community lives uh, sometimes in the conditions that are just terrible. My group was working in uh, this one house trying to get a roof on and to replace and sure up the floor in this room that had completely rotted out. That is what we agreed to. That is what we said we would come and do. Um, we were there for several days. Uh, by, by day two, a couple of us found out that there was no running water in this house. The sewage lines were clogged. 
and there was only a community outhouse a short walk away that needed to be redug. No water, no toilet. We agreed to come in and do two things, but a couple of us started working to make sure we could try to get water back on and maybe a form of a toilet working. And that did not sit well with a couple people who had come on the trip. We only agreed to do these two things, which we had done, and there was now extra time for a few of us. We did not sign up to do that extra work. Yes, we came to help, but not like that. Not extra work, but not adding on work. These folks had missed the point. When you're working with a Christian heart, when you are working to help others, there ought not be many buts about it. The church is a place for believers to gather and worship, to build a community. The church is a place to grow faith, to grow in our stewardship to God in all the ways that that looks like. All too often, we have a big list of buts that we try to throw in there. But not them, but not that way, but faith doesn't look like that, but love doesn't cover that, but we don't go there, but we don't talk to them, but we want to make sure that my tithe is used the way I want it. But, 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 but. God time and time again has shown us that God has no bounds, that God is abundantly more gracious, loving, and forgiving, and generous than we are. God with the Israelites, God with Nineveh, God and the workers in the vineyard. They are all examples of how we tend to find a but and, and that we miss a point because we want something to be our way. So the question for us to consider is what buts are, are you using? You know, around you and in, in the places you go and the places that you worship, your community of faith, what buts do you keep saying or thinking? And not just the church, but outside. What neighbors are you not talking to? Because God told us to love our neighbor, but but that one is about as unlovable a person as you can find. There's a whole host of buts that we lean into all the time. I'll tell you, God has perhaps a bigger but, though. I, I, I'd say it's a bigger but. God says... You may have been a more faithful servant. God says you may have been a Christian from birth. You may have not missed a church service all year, but I love all of my children. The reward for faithfulness, for accepting Jesus Christ into your heart, for following my commandments, it is the same for all of you. There's no buts about uh, about it. There are no people that can change that. There is no but not that we can produce that will change that. The last will be first, the first will be last. That, dear children of God, is the reminder that if you have it all figured out by some magical reason, that God still rewards you, but God will tend to that person straggling in the back of the line. That the good shepherd will go after the lost sheep, even though you have been in the flock the whole time. That God will care for even the least of these with the same love and affection that God offers you. So the question for you to ask yourself is, do you begrudge God 
for the love lavished to all? Do you begrudge the generosity that you have already benefited from because others came after you? Do you have a but not them or a but not this way or, or some other but not that you are grumbling against God with? And I invite you to ask yourself that. I implore you to figure out what your but not is because your but not, your complaint, your grumble against God is one that hurts you and your expectations more than the one who generously gives it all. The love, the grace, peace, and forgiveness that we agree to when we choose to follow Jesus Christ. To remind you again, there is a place to talk to God, to cry out to God, to ask faithful questions and raise concerns. However, often those don't come with the but not. Especially not when it is about extending the forgiveness, the love, and the grace that we also benefit from. So what is your but? What are you grumbling and mumbling about? What is your indignant complaint? Whatever it is, it's something you probably ought to resolve with God and focus back on your faith walk and in being a Christian and loving those around you, following the example of Jesus Christ. We're going to end the episode here. There is always more to talk about. I invite you to reach out. Let me know your thoughts on this episode or any of the previous episodes or even what you would like to hear in the future. Down in the show notes is all the contact for the podcast. You can reach out on social media or through email. Oh, pardon me. Oof. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, there is a question you can respond to directly down in the episode description. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope that you are doing well. Know that God loves you so very much, and there is nothing that you or anyone else can do about that. We'll see you in the next episode.